What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Legion DIY. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy Podcast. I'm Andy Mogul, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, hammering it home. This spring, there's a lot of awesome stuff coming up, headed into the summer as well. Last chance broadhead shoot with West Coast Archery, May 15th through the 17th. And also coming up June 13th in Reno is the Dead Eye Golf Tournament. For more information and more details, check them both out on Instagram. I'm sure you'll have no problem finding their accounts. Also, get ready. Yeti Total Archery Challenge. It's going to be a blast. Hope to see everyone there. Thanks. I mean, you just never really know. You never know what's going to happen. You never know. You know what I mean? It's like you hate to hear it. You do. When I rolled into camp with you and Brett and Buck. Yeah. And Brett threw on the pink sunglasses. Yeah, you never. You just, you just <laughs> you never know. You man. never know. You never know what's going to happen. You're there. in the middle of the West Desert, and all of a sudden you just show up, and a dude's wearing pink sunglasses. And then you got to wonder, yeah. is this is so this like, the is this the front, bro? Yeah. <laughs> it's like what the Beastie Boys said that sound like. <laughs> this is going to be that kind of body. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Anyways, I'm stick my dick in mashed potatoes. <laughs> I, right. God, I love the Beastie Boys. Oh, dude. Talk about phenomenal music. Were you a big fan growing up? Like huge fan. License to Ill, Check Your Head, oh, the hu- old stuff. Oh, huge fan. I remember <clears> the <throat> first time blasting that music. My parents came in and they're like, "What, what is in this? The hell <laughs> is this?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> parents coming in saying, "What's that noise?" Yeah. <laughs> so epic. <laughs> I remember one of my first CDs, my probably my first CD that I ever got when I was a kid was Right Said Fred Up. I don't know if you remember that CD. Mm-mm. He was the guy that sang, and this is just, I'm going to embarrass myself here, was he, he sang I'm Too Sexy. You oh, my that God. song? Yeah. You, yeah. You remember that song. Everybody remembers that song. Who doesn't remember that song? <laughs> But it turns out we don't know who sang it. Right? Right said Fred. <laughs> right? Yeah. Who who actually knows who Right said Fred is anyways. So the other CD that I got was Beastie Boys, Licensed to Ill. Oh. And this, there's the song on there, I want to say, and this is back when we used to memorize numbers, right? Phone numbers. Oh, because yeah. Still you, know my best friends to this day. I still I still have like half the the numbers I memorized as a kid yeah. up to the point that I stopped memorizing numbers. Yeah. I still have them memorized. I don't even know my daughter's cell phone numbers, but I still remember my best friends growing up numbers. Right? <laughs> like Seri- how is that? Seriously. <laughs> so it was I want to say it was track number 6 and it was a song called Girls. Oh. Do you remember that song? Oh yeah. I mean I think that's the first time I did a mosh pit was girls. Yeah. Epic, dude. All the, I really want is girls. Girls. Yes. Could you imagine if someone came out with a song that was like that now? Oh, dude. This is like so hated. Girls to do the dishes. Girls 
to clean up my room, girls. <laughs> something, something, girls, and in the bathroom. Oh, dude, that was so great. My first CDs, and actually the ones that got me into like rock and roll, mm-hmm. were CDs that my parents confiscated from my sisters. Really? And so my dad was a firefighter. Like he, he would go to work for three days. He was three days on, four days off. Worked at a government base. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I had a hole in my socks or something. I was in junior high, so I like went into my dad's sock drawer to like grab a pair of socks. And I'm like, what? like what are all these cds it was like faith no more alice in chains and i was like faith no more yeah, oh that's so yeah. classic it ages us for sure yeah so i'm like what are these pull them out throw them in the cd player and i'm just like yes i have arrived yes. music has found yeah. my soul i mean before then it's funny because i grew up like listening with my dad's a vietnam vet and listening to like ccr you yeah. know and, like beach boys and zeppelin and you, charlie's daniels band so like, speaking of all those bands do you remember because we're about the same age do you remember shell gas station classic hits cassette tapes oh yeah like the the oldies like driving tunes yes yeah dude those were the most prolific oh, yeah tapes on planet earth oh yeah my dad used to collect them all over yeah. the place so i mean just when you're talking about what your yeah. dad listened to i relate to yeah. that so much because yep. my dad would always get the gas station classic you know shell gas station whatever classic mm-hmm. hits oldies but goodies Yep. You know, or listening to Wolfman Jack on the radio and all that. Oh, yeah. You know, way back. So it's so iconic. Like, <clears throat> speaking about hunting and everything is I was just chatting with, um, like, Aniston, um, my daughter, and driving, like, I think it was a year or two ago. We were driving along, and that was the – I listened to CCR, and that is the most iconic thing. Like, one of my elementary memories was – my dad checking me out for the deer hunt Mm -hmm. like coming over the loudspeaker like you know I don't even think they do that nowadays at school (laughs) like literally like I thought I was in trouble like going to the principal's office like Tyler Hills I'm like oh shit like I'm going to the principal's office again you know yeah but it was like you're being checked out and I show up my dad's like in hunter orange Mm -hmm. and I'm like yes deer season yeah and so um, because I like he was on shift where he had to work over the the opener, you know. Mm-hmm. So back then in Utah, like now they call it uh, fall break. Mm-hmm. They used to call it well, the deer hunt break. But it is like because <laughs> I remember my first experience hunting Utah. Mm-hmm. I came out here with my dad, and we were staying in a hotel room, and we we're watching TV the night before the opener. And it's like on all the local news channels, mm-hmm. deer season opens tomorrow mm-hmm. and it's a huge deal and students yep. have the days off and yep. like it is an entire yeah. community event for yeah. everybody. Yep. So that's pretty neat to hear about it all the yeah. way from back then yep. that it was, you know, I'm surprised it's And that's still what kinda... they used to call it was, they used to call it the deer hunt break. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now it's still the same time they call it fall break. But uh, back then it was called the deer hunt break. So I mean that was my first memory was of my 
I always remembered the big camps. Like we would have cousin camps, and we would do uh, deer hunting camp. We would do elk camp growing up. But uh, like that camp, for some reason, that just resonates in my mind. Uh huh. Like getting called over the PA, thought I was busted for something, going to the principal's office, and there was my dad, Hunter Owens, just showed up. We jump in the truck, and we're listening to CCR and the cassette tape. <laughs> what song? Rolling through the jungle. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. And so we're listening to that on cassette, and he was a big Charlie Daniels band, so we listened to that a lot. And uh, and he had a '78 Ford single cab red with a white white cab, like a white sleeper on the back. And then yeah. uh, I remember, yeah, we just go. We went up and we're driving around and. It's interesting now because um, looking back on it, like I didn't grow up with, um, I didn't grow up with a dad that was, he was always doing the hunting thing and we did the hunting thing as family. It was a family with his uncles and everything, but. Tradition. Tradition. It was a tradition thing. Like I was taught how to safely do everything um, and it was tradition. Um, Growing up with my dad, it wasn't really about like, the kill Mm -hmm. like I think a lot of dads like young dads and and guys getting into it now you grow up and you're trophy hunters right Mm -hmm. and and I look back on it now and now I realize I think it's because my dad being in Vietnam he was always he was the kid herder Mm -hmm. you know like the (laughs) uncles would be up on the ridge lines and it was my dad and it was cool because I always got to hunt with my dad but I always wonder back then like why wasn't my dad always killing the deer? Like, Uncle Ed and all... The uncles were killing deer, but my dad was, like, the kid wrangler. Well, I get it now. Like, that antelope that we're looking at right there, Yeah. me and my dad were on that hunt, and I was... Um, how old was I? I don't know. I was probably 20-something, you know? And, and I went on that hunt with my dad, and I shot that. And at that time, he just was getting close to retirement and I shot that deer or that antelope sorry and I started like skinning it out we started doing the thing with it and I kind of saw that look on his face yeah and everything just kind of snapped like oh I get it why he wasn't on the ridge line killing the killing yeah he wasn't killing him because of you know his past and everything but he carried on that tradition with me and carried on like the respect of it yeah to where now it's a really big respect thing with me yeah like eating the game and teaching that to teaching that to your daughter my daughters and because girl dad yeah hashtag girl dad hashtag hashtag girl dad right (laughs) yeah fuck yeah so i don't know that it's yeah, it's really interesting because my dad loves to be out there and do that. But it's so when I hear good songs like that, man, I mean, it brings me back to. You could smell the smell of the truck, I bet. Oh, dude. I mean, now when my like daughters or f- even friends like we're on a hunting trip and they put their feet like up on the dash, and I remember doing that. Like my dad's driving and I put my feet up on the dash and we're just listening to music and. We're rolling down to southern Utah to go deer hunt. Mm-hmm. And, Back uh, in the day, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back yeah. then, was it a lot easier to hunt pretty much anywhere in the state? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So I, I actually grew up, I'll give a hint here, it's not even a hint in Utah really, but we, we grew up hunting out by strawberry and then we'd do elk camp, elk camp up in the Uintas, like mm-hmm. the big family camps. That's yeah. where we did it. And then later on, we started driving down and going to southern Utah and doing that. And it was way easier. I mean, I think it was, I can't remember now the exact date, but I mean, until about 10 years ago, the archery hunt was statewide. As a statewide, statewide. tag. California had that up until about 10 years ago. Yeah. And then, like, if you got the archery only tag. Yeah. You could hunt X zone, A zone, B zone. None of yeah. this means shit to you. But yeah. for California listeners, you could hunt the entire state yeah. if you got an archery-only tag. Yeah. And now it's only the general units that you can hunt with an archery-only tag. Yeah. So, I mean, now, I mean, honestly, back then, I remember going down to the sporting goods store with my dad where I bought my first shotgun from stall cleaning money like the same spot where i got my first shotgun and bought it by myself that's where my dad would get deer hunting tags mm-hmm. i mean now in utah for us locals here for a what they call a quote-unquote over the over counter the counter tag, tag it's like a three-year wait yeah it's a two three-year wait yeah in some areas so i mean i mean unless you get into the yeah hunter program like if you get in the I really like the dedicated hunter program. I mean, for me here, it's, I like the archery hunt. So for me, it works perfectly. The archery hunt for me is, it's my time, mm-hmm. um, especially where I love hunting everything. The archery hunt is like my time. Mm-hmm. I like being up there like by myself, walking around, having alone time. And then you get in, I haven't really got into muzzleloader hunting. Mm-hmm. I, I want to. Been um, there on a pretty epic muzzleloader hunt. Yeah, we have. That was sick, huh? Yeah. yeah, that was great. I mean, get to see a 220-inch deer shot. That was awesome. We'll get into that. Right. That was crazy. But, uh... Crazy hunt. And so then, like, especially now with having a lot of friends that... The rifle hunt, we call it fall harvest. Mm-hmm. I mean, we hunt it hard, and, and it's just more friends and the and my girls and trying to get my our dads out that are a little bit older they can't hike they can't do the hard stuff so always for me the the rifle deer hunt is more more of uh just helping friends Mm -hmm. and family and and so that's that's why i like the dedicated because in utah you can hunt all three seasons you're guaranteed two deer tags for three years and then you also get a chance to give back. You have so many community service hours and you get to do that. So yeah. um, I like that program. I think that's a really good program. I think it's pretty neat the way that they do service hours, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the way that I've heard that talked up by a lot of local hunters I know out here in Utah yeah. that love that. And they are just so thrilled for the opportunity to get their, you know, yeah. three or you get two deer tags in three years mm-hmm. you know and, and you can pretty much hunt archery through yeah I mean you can hunt I mean obviously there's breaks but if if you're an avid hunter and you want to be out in the hills and chasing deer you, you can, want the you best can, opportunity and the, the most time best most amount of days offered in the field it's the dedicated it's the dedicated hunter program yeah all day and, and usually it, it weeds out 
it weeds out the people that don't want to put in the work or um, it, it's good because it weeds out the people that don't want to do like the community service hour so they're like oh that's a pain but then sometimes so a lot of people when it first came out they're like oh that's like the trophy hunter guy mm-hmm. which yeah I think it is but at the same time you can just be somebody that loves the outdoors and do the dedicated program and not be a trophy hunter for the simple fact that a lot of guys only get two weeks off in a year and you spend half that time going on family vacation so then you have weekends to hunt so then it gives a guy here in utah even if you're not a quote-unquote trophy hunter you just want to get out in the woods Mm -hmm. gives you more ample opportunity because you can get out during the archery hunt during the muzzleloader and during the rifle seasons, like all of them. Well, and then also with, with Wasatch, can't you end up hunting? There's like a late archery hunt in oh, the Wasatch, yeah. right? The old hunt the front. Hunt the front, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hunt the front, bro. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, 10, 10 years, 15 years ago, I mean, the front was, I got friends that have been hunting the front for a long time, and that's all they they've ever hunted. I mean, that was ample opportunity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can. That is good. That's a late season hunt. That's where I get into. I I don't do it that much, mm-hmm. you know, because I I love waterfowl. Yeah. Um. So. I'm kind of over hiking my ass off from sitting in a cold ass duck blind. Is your yeah. game now. Yeah, I'd rather be in a duck blind <laughs> drinking coffee, bullshitting with friends, man. Yeah. Being loud, you yeah. know, like Ripping doesn't calls. matter. Yeah. yeah, having breakfast by ten or eleven o'clock, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the 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 opportunity in Utah is great. Um, it's a great state to live in and, and to get back to. From what we grew up, like I remember deer camps. There's a lot of guys that really bitch and moan about it's hard to draw out it's hard to for a local guy it's hard to get the over-the-counter tag it's hard to draw out yada 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 i only get a hunt so many years well i hear that a lot because a lot of local guys get pissed at me because i've hunted out here three seasons in a row jumping around from yeah you know different hunt to different hunt yeah you know and so i mean it's a double-edged sword right like utah in my opinion has done so many things great like we have trophy class antelope, we have trophy class deer, we have trophy class elk. Like everybody wants to come to Utah and hunt because we have trophy class stuff. Well, growing up as a kid, I'm late late 80s, early 90s, I remember, man, we'd have eight, nine, 10 tags in camp as a kid and we'd pull out three or four deer, mm-hmm. if that. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're willing to do a little bit of work in Utah on public land, doesn't matter the unit. It really doesn't matter the unit in Utah. Mm-hmm. You can shoot a trophy class deer. Well, what somebody classifies a trophy, we don't need to get into that, but any unit in Utah right now, you can shoot over a 175, 180 class deer. I agree with you 100%. In any unit. If you're willing to put in the work. If you want to do the work. And, and I would also, and you could maybe correct me, I, but I firmly believe that in almost any unit throughout the entire state, if you have the time and the ability to put it in early in the year and, mm-hmm. and really find the right deer, yeah. you can find a 200 inch buck in 
almost any unit in the state. I, I would 100% back you up on that. Yeah. In any unit in the state. Like, everybody always asks, like, where are you hunting? Where are you doing this? It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's guys. It's all about the work, man. It's all about the work. I 100%. Mean, there's guys that talk about the elk. Since we're talking about big game, I mean, there's guys that are talking about elk, you know, these special draw units. Yeah, your odds of, of shooting a there might be 370 more. class bull in that unit. Yeah, yeah, there's more of them. There's more of them because there's less tags. Yeah. You like know what I mean? If you're looking at a limit entry unit, let's say the Nebo unit, mm -hmm. you can still find a close to 400 inch bull on the Nebo unit. Mm -hmm. I'm no expert if, in But if you're willing aspect, to put in the work. If, if you're willing to put in the work. And right? it's going to be a grind, 100%. Hell yeah. I mean, they're, they're out there. I mean, in every unit, every, every year, guys are shooting deer that are close to 200-inch deer in every unit in, in Utah. I agree, 100%. And there's the deer we don't even hear about. There's the, there's the deer that and these how guys many... aren't on social media. There's a farmer out in Vernal that shoots a 190 class deer off his alfalfa field on the Colorado border. Yeah. Like, no big deal. We never heard about that. No Nobody's one, ever heard how about many that. big bucks do you think die every year that no one, how oh. many, you know what? And, and this happens in California a lot is Boone and Crockett blacktails that get killed. And I won't say speak to what zones they're coming out of, but yeah. the pictures never make the internet. And they never go into the book because right. the people killing them just don't give a shit. Yep. You yep. know what I mean? They just don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They're, they're doing it because it's what they love to do. Because of the challenge and pursuit yep. of success with the animal. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's funny. I, the hunt that you came and showed up on with the pink sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> this year, when uh a friend of mine, Josh, we were hunting the same unit, a limited entry Utah unit, and and he shot what's going to be the new Pope and Young archery record. It that thing, the only the only bit of posting that that thing got was his wife posting it because he's not on social media, mm -hmm. and he's not even the guy that wanted to do it, and he had a couple of different people score it, and he's like, you know what, I'm just gonna have this officially scored yeah he had it officially scored and blew the doors off shit and it's a new record <laughs> not even a picture on social media yeah That's i mean i literally have the picture the the pope and young score i mean the pope and young score is uh 236 and four eights yeah that's a monster <laughs> monster buck yeah shot a shot it was what four weeks before you got there yeah for that muzzleloader hunt yeah and I mean, that's a prime example right there of a deer that nobody knows about. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden it will be posted up in the Utah Pope and Young and they'll be like, the hell? Where'd that come from last year? Never heard of her. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, it didn't make the internet. It's yeah, not real. Yeah, it's not real. <laughs> didn't see it on Facebook or Instagram. Not real. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm so glad I don't use Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. So getting to grow up in big family camps, mm -hmm. right? Like the elk camps you were talking about. Yeah. How do you think that was for you? Like what was your perception of it as a child? And what is your perception of it now looking back on it? And maybe how it helped you growing up? 
Oh man. It's a I deep mean, question. That is a good question. Oh fuck. My shit. <laughs> what is this 2020 or whatever they call it? Dateline. <laughs> Dateline. <laughs> I mean, you almost had me in tears talking about my dad. Now we're doing it again. Good. <laughs> no, um, you know, Elk Camp was awesome, and um, we call him Fat Eddie. He was my un- Uncle Ed, which was pretty much kind of like my grandpa, my dad's oldest brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he basically was the big-time hunter. Like, he hunted moose and, and everything. So when I think about elk camp specifically up in the UN as it was surely a meat camp uh-huh. um, that's how we would we would get meat and so I have pictures that I still share with my cousins and everything where we're wearing and now they're becoming popular again you know you know like the old old school hat the rope hats mm-hmm. like we had on rope orange hats and the fire you're sitting close to the fire and we pulled down the mesh on the inside of the hats over our eyes because the fire was too hot while well, we're cooking marshmallows. Uh-huh. And at the same time, while we're at elk camp as kids helping push elk and do hikes and everything like that, we would be fishing in a stream for trout. Uh-huh. And we'd get back to camp and, you know, our dad and my uh, fat Eddie, um, Uncle Ed basically my grandpa like they'd be cooking up fish and it it was just I mean how do you not get how do you not get raised like that yeah and it's super interesting at least in my turn of life so I mean I had I had kids pretty young I'm close to 38 and I have almost a 16 year old daughter so I mean, I went through a stretch right there where I put my head down and worked, and I didn't hunt too much. Yeah. You know? And so, circling back, I just think that those foundational things of being raised to where it was tradition and camping and harvesting and... and the outdoors. The outdoors. And the outdoor experience. Just being outside. Yeah. Has really made who I am and how I parent and how I am as... Uh, a dad and a friend and a you know a not you know a boyfriend and and it it just shaped who I am as a person and whole because you look at family and the outdoors and all the activities like I well and how spiritual is yeah. nature right you know what I mean like I mean and everybody you know people have religion and people have whatever all their different facets of everything mm-hmm. you know and for me I mean I choose to call my God nature right 100 and that is you know my direct correlation excuse me so for me when i'm out there it's like yeah immersed yep in my god's beauty yep. you know what i mean and like becoming one with that whether i'm hunting or i'm not you know what i mean yeah. that doesn't really matter you know and, and getting to learn and grow up and understand you know like the fish eat the flies that get stuck on the water. You know what I yeah. mean? And, and understanding the chain of life and the significance that everything throughout the entire food chain, the role yeah. that's played by everything. Yeah. You, you know? know, for me, and then it's, it's funny that you say that because that's archery for me. All day. 
Archery 100%. For, archery for me is, um, it's becoming more and more popular. I think it's because of opportunity. Well, I think it's because of a lot of Joe Rogan and yeah, Cameron yeah. Haynes and the and the popularity yeah. that they're all throwing out there. Yeah, so, John Dudley, whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of shit from some really good friends of mine that, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, let's... You know, you wound animals and stuff like that, but it's part it, it's part of it, right? But for me, I try to try to take the most ethical shot. But for me, archery here in Utah is still if you're out there on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I won't see anybody. Mm-hmm. Nobody you know, exists. Nobody's around, and I'll need to drive back down to check on work and and family and you know all of that like I'll drive back down and everything is louder mm-hmm. like <laughs> everything is loud I'm like oh my god like can people just like turn walk it down? into a store and the halogen yeah. lights blaring from yeah. the ceiling everything is so loud yeah and so it, yeah it's it's like I tell everybody if I if you know God willing, it doesn't happen. But tomorrow, if I die in a car wreck, everybody that knows me and loves me, they know, like, I want ashes up there, mm-hmm. you know, because that's my spot. That's what we did with my grandfather. My yeah. grandfather's buried on the mountain. Yep. You know, we dumped we dumped his ashes in the ocean mm-hmm. where he was a game warden um, off the coast of California. Mm-hmm. And then we buried the rest of his ashes on his, in his favorite place to hunt at his, his he had spot. he had his deer stand in California where we dumped his ashes and he had his deer stand in Montana where we buried his ashes and, and made a sign and hell yeah you know the whole deal so I totally hell yeah I understand that and respect that I mean yeah. for me right now my goal is I'm I'm trying to acquire property in Montana where my grandfather was built nice. or where he was buried. Because I want to be able to look at my grandfather's grave from my from my deck of my house. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's totally get it. That yeah, you know, and that's how I want to live the rest of my life. You know, mm-hmm. and being able to see that. Yeah. You know, so I totally yeah I can relate to that from the sense of being the grandson whose grandfather is buried on the mountain. Yeah. You know. And it's super interesting to have conversations like this. You know, because I grew up in a highly religious. Uh, area obviously Utah we all know but uh, you know I fortunately enough I was raised with parents that had no judgment and like now like anybody that knows me um, my Sunday sanctuary is if it's not hunting season I want to be riding the you're out riding horseback. Riding, riding horses up there or... It's so great getting to see the videos, too. or anything yeah. in the mountains. Yeah. I mean, Sunday is... Cowboy shit. Yeah. You know, and... <laughs> yeah. For it's sure. the best, you know. And so, riding horses up there, that's just... That's another level, you know. I mean, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, to just... I mean, horses don't turn off they cost money all the time but it's a part of a part of the way that i hunt that i love to use the horses and if i can't use them for hunting i just love you know 
going with Heidi and going with the girls and going on horse rides like that's just how I gain like my mental sanity mm-hmm. is literally in the mountains and the outdoors and I feel that that was kind of like forged in me from growing up in hunting camps yeah and and family and even skipping school in high school and going <laughs> going duck hunting yeah. I mean instantly as soon as I was outside and doing something I was I was good and that's just I feel like how I was built like I, I to this day if you ask me to play a Nintendo game I the A B button mm-hmm. I mean that's about all I know and that was from on the original Nintendo <laughs> never had one you know uh-huh. I shot on I saw it on t-shirts you yeah know? yeah <laughs> right and, and that's that's why every job that I've had is outside, I think. And, and who knows, that, that could have came from hunting, mm-hmm. sitting around a fire, driving on dirt roads up in the mountains in, in Strawberry or the Uintas. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's how... So when you ask when it forges somebody and, and I think it's just such a good foundation for future generations and that's why I love what you're doing and like you're you do those cl- the classes out there in California yeah I, I think that's great because obviously statistics show those numbers are falling mm-hmm. I mean the numbers are falling so bad that I just read an article that specific to waterfowl that numbers are falling so bad on the east coast they're having to redo legislature to get money for conservation because they do not have the income the, coming the income from license and coming in from license and tag license sales and, and hunting and i think it, it's super crazy because that was a new york times article or washington post i can't remember what it was it was one of those super liberal popu- yeah, yeah liberal papers but at the same time like the bottom is line the of wake that up call of like, oh, is the wait wake a minute. up call yeah. that the hunters are the conservationists. We're the ones supplying the revenue. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, you know, and California's are it's as an outdoorsman, it's you know, there's even there's huge commercials right now for California's outdoor lifestyle. Right. Yosemite, you know, the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, windsurfing in San Francisco Bay, you know, and it, it goes through all these things. And I found it funny because it doesn't show any sportsmen. And I understand why it doesn't because California is so ass backwards and crooked and bent right. to the left that they can't show sportsmen having fun because it goes against everything that they have taught the yeah. general public of California forever. Right. <clears throat> but like, Growing up out there and being fifth generation from, you know, where I grew up, Marin County, and, you know, my my grandfather being involved with fishing game and and the whole deal is like, I made that decision strictly based off of my grandfather's life and my grandfather's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And, And I remember the day that I passed, you know, to become a hunter's education instructor, Mm -hmm. um, my, the regional rep or the warden who put me through the test 
you know, and, and passed me at the end of it, you know, he, he pulled me aside and he's like, so why'd you want to get into this? And I, you know, I told him my grandfather and this and that. And he was like, you know, that's, that's great. And I know of your grandfather, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. first thing I did when I passed, I called my mom, I called my dad and I called both my uncles. And, uh, I think my grandmother had, had died at this point. Um, who was my grandfather's wife mm -hmm. and both my uncles were brought to tears by it that's great you know what I mean and and it was and this is this is back before I was on social media right you know, this was back before any of that stuff was going on in my life yeah. you know 2012 or whatever it was mm -hmm. it was right right in there I didn't get back on social media until 2015 or 16 um, and it was strictly because of my love and passion for the sport mm -hmm. and I knew from during that time it's a little bit different right now because we have an influx of people coming into hunters education in California but at the time to get in a hunters education course in the town where I grew up you had to drive 60 miles to find a place where you could do it minimum 60 miles crazy. and is maybe once every other month and I was like that's fucked up man yeah like that doesn't you know like that's that that's not right you know yeah. this is a community where the backbone of this community was fathers and sons fishing together every every yard every driveway had a boat in it they were either fishing in the bay or fishing in the lakes Every weekend, you'd see fathers and sons riding around on their bicycles with their fishing poles and their backpacks yeah. going to the local lakes to go black bass fishing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, this, this whole way that we grew up and, and were learn, you know, learned how to live life was being stripped yeah. from anybody in the future of having that experience. And I was like, I don't, I want to try to be able to, you know, if it takes, 20 hours out of my year to teach hunters education yeah, and I get nothing. to be a, I get to be a positive influence and a positive role model. Like sure. There's a lot of really great people that are prolific hunters and they're in Eastman's journal and they're in all these like epic hunting magazines and they're doing all these epic hunts and that's totally fucking awesome. And I love that. And I'm super grateful for those yeah. kind of guys because they are great role models, you know, but what about, like I remember my hunter's education teacher. I don't know if you guys had it out here. Oh yeah, we but had it. Oh, I mean, yeah. I can sit here and remember my hunter's education teacher. And, and I was ten years old when I took hunter's. I education. took it at the Elks Lodge. You know what I mean? I remember like, it. Oh yeah. You know, and like to get to play that role in multiple children's lives and multiple adult that are adults that are breaking the cycle, coming from non-hunting families, transitioning into a hunting family, and yeah. getting to be the first person or maybe one of the first people that they're experiencing and trying to understand our way of life and our lifestyle. Like, how important is that? Yeah. You know, as a role as an outdoorsman and a sportsman to volunteer my own life for that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot in the last 15 years about like self-sacrifice and how important self-sacrifice is for my own mental health and mental well-being. Yeah. And, and I mean, self-sacrifice in a positive light. Yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and 20 hours out of my life in a 365, you know, one day in a year, 
you know, spread yeah. out between four months or, yeah. you know, maybe I'll do 50 hours this year or, you yeah. know, whatever it is. For me, I think that like, <clears throat> what I love about the, what I love about the Joe Rogan thing mm -hmm. and where I give tons of props to Joe Rogan and like lived a vegan lifestyle. We all, we all know the story, mm -hmm. right? To where he's at now is he has a huge stage that he's making a presence and he's a great example for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're a fisherman or you're a hunter or bow hunter, duck hunter, it doesn't matter what you are. He stood up and he started talking about something with a positive light. And I think right now what we're battling with is, and that's kind of like with the waterfowl project that we have going on is like, we're all battling with such a, another light that was, there was like this, there's this right and wrong with hunting. Mm -hmm. And I think with somebody like Joe Rogan and there's other people that are stepping up and they're not just like looked at as just like straight up killers. Like they're, they're shining light onto something that shows tradition and it shows using an animal and it shows everything. And what I love about your story and why you're doing Hunter's Education is because, man, I'm nobody, but what can I do? Yeah. You know, and that's what I, the grander picture about the waterfowl hunting thing that we got going on a little bit is just like, hey, you know, it's about the birds, it's about the lifestyle, it's about tradition, mm -hmm. you know? And, it, and with you, with the Hunter's Education, like, it's not about you. Yeah. Like you're legit. Like my grandfather did this and I, you know, like, you know, I know enough of your backstory to be like, you went through some shit. <laughs> the reason why yeah. we've had, we've had talks over a campfire. The reason why you're alive today is probably because of how you grew up in those years. And you might've had this, this time 100%. of life. You, you had this time of your life to where... Chaos like we and all confusion. Do. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. We might, not, we, not, we might not slip and fall as far over here. We just have a sideways step, but you know what can bring us back is our traditions that we get brought up. Instilled with. in us when we were children. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, and I think that's, you know, like that's still the separation. The people that stand up for gun rights a lot of times and all that stuff are the guys like us that are like, there's nothing wrong with guns. There's nothing wrong with this. Well, and how so many gun-related yeah. incidents were in your household growing up or in your, or in your <laughs> right. anyone in your family's household? Right. You know, like you're right. talking about your cousins yeah. and your huge camps. None. How many, you know what I mean? And <laughs> how much gun safety were you taught in your own home by your family growing up? Speaking of, speaking of hunter safety, you'll like this. Yeah, I'm ready for it. <laughs> so my daughter Aniston took the test. She was the only kid shooting with open sight. Really? Every kid had a scope, had rifle a scope, or, 22, yeah. and obviously I, we ha I have them, a couple of them, and I'm like, nope, you're. I made her practice with her little teeny Ruger single action just like my dad taught me load one bullet this is how you load it this is how you aim with open sights mm -hmm. and i made her do the same thing she was the only kid there 
She was the only kid there with open sights. That's so cool. Were there kids shooting better than she was? For sure. Yeah. What, did she still shoot safely and she still hit the target within the little rabbit? Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. You know what that, that old boy <laughs> that taught that class came up and he's like, I really appreciate he told her this. Yeah. I really appreciate that you're shooting that gun with an open sight. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and how but, cool is that for her as a child to hear that? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and maybe at the time she doesn't understand she does, it fully, yeah. but she will yeah, later and it in wasn't, life. Yeah, and it wasn't like I wanted any kudos. I just wanted her to learn. Yeah. And that's how you, you know? were taught. Yeah, it's how I was taught. It's the tradition. And it's the, exactly, it's the tradition. It's the traditions that I feel like if if we as outdoorsmen and we as hunters doesn't matter if you want to go get meat or you're going after a boot and crockett deer or sheep or whatever you're doing yeah as long as we hold hold to like traditions i think that we're slow we can slowly chip away at this thing well it helps us stay accountable right you know what i mean and i was listening to a podcast today where like that was something they hammered home a lot on was like Who's holding people accountable these days? Right. You know what I mean? Because right. nobody's fucking doing it. No. We were talking about it earlier. Right. You know what I mean? Who's holding yeah. people accountable these days? There's Which not. is a whole nother tangent we don't yeah, have to go Yeah, we don't have to go down that rabbit at hole. At all. <laughs> but I mean, it. you know, tradition and moral ethics, you know? Yeah. That's so important to be instilled in hunters. Yeah. You know? But I mean, I think that... What we, I mean, what we do, there's always going to be people on far one side that are going to think it's completely wrong, and there's always going to be people on the on the far other side that maybe don't respect the animals as much, and they just want to kill. But I think it's the bloodlust. Yeah, the bloodlust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, call it a, call it like it is. Call it like it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is. I mean, and I think it, it's super interesting because I see it in the, in, the, in the waterfowl thing a lot. Like, I've read things about it, listened to podcasts. Like, people go through phases in waterfowl as well where you're like, oh, got my limit today. Mm-hmm. I got all of them. I got my limit, you know, limit, 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 limit. And then, you know, they go through the phase where they just want to kill as many as they can. And then they start going after different species. And then they... You know, it's all this ebb and flow, and I think it happens in big game. It happens in everything. I mm-hmm. think when, and, and I mean, I think the bloodlust might happen when you're a little bit young, right? But I don't know. It, it's all, it's all ebb and flow, and as long as we just keep instilling tradition, and 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 we'll shine through this. I'm a big believer in it. Like if we just stay to our core and like how we were raised and try to shine like a positive light on what we're doing then we'll get through yeah I mean there's it's super interesting hunter hunter numbers are going up some show down it's crazy what is it really who knows who knows (laughs) you know what I I mean mean, who knows yeah the crazy thing is is population kills kills more game than anything roadkill yeah, roadkill. I mean, it kills more than anything. All day. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing in Utah. I mean, the population here, so why all the local people, and even myself, like, I'll, I'll kind of bitch sometimes. Like, gosh, like, with the limit entry stuff, like, 
non-residents have better odds than I do. Like all That's big. just the state trying to get money, homie. I know, dude. <laughs> don't even get me started. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain because I, I don't live not. here. I know you're not. <laughs> don't worry, man. Like, my kids turn 18. My residency would change. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. What state would you move to? That's a... You know, I... I, after dealing with the I-15 and the traffic that we got, I just want peace and quiet. I think that I, I think Montana calls me. Montana's but, calling me big, dude. Yeah. I but I'm it. not going to act like I'm a barbarian and I can handle six months of the winter. I think that if I could play my cards right, I would love to have a full-time residency in Montana and have like a getaway for four months big getaway <laughs> spot for like two three months yeah, you know? I get it. <laughs> like, totally i know exactly what you mean and i got tons of friends that live in montana and and it's funny because they're like oh you're just a pansy ass you can't handle the cold i'm like eh. they didn't have that rough of a winter this year well it hasn't so started far. yet i mean last year you think it'll start late oh yeah just, like last year just like last year. this weekend last again. year was when it started oh yeah they got pounded this week did they? Yeah. Oh, wow. But, I mean, you call them in May when it's snowing, and they're like... July? Yeah, June, July, and it's snowing. They're like, yeah. I'm fucking over it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I, I... The reason why I say Montana is because I got to have property, and I I want to have horses. Like, I, I need horses mm-hmm. in my life. It's just feeding them and petting them and go out, going out and riding them. Whether Cowboy it's, shit. Yeah, whether it's <laughs> yeah, whether it's whether it's hunting or whatever it is, man. Like I gotta have horses, and that's just the space for them. Yeah, for sure. So, so you kept talking about birds. So, at what point in your hunting career did you switch from really being into big game? To just becoming in love with waterfowl? Oh, that's a super debatable question because it's like, I, I hunted waterfowl like in high school and, and just for fun. I mean, it was like, go watch, like literally slough school. If my daughter's listening to this, don't slough school. <laughs> I would go slough like auto mechanics class and go walk a ditch line and, and shoot birds. Uh-huh. Um, I loved it. Um, I didn't, I kind of got out of it, like I said, you know, when just life and kids and everything like that um, came into, into, the, into play. And, and so now I wouldn't say that waterfowl has taken over my love for big game. I think it's shared in their different seasons, so it can. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, as far as archery goes, like I told you, I mean, that's like me time. And so when it comes to waterfowl. Check, 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 mic check. Sorry, I'm just, just doing something there. Just Instagramming over here. Just just doing something. Yeah. That was a good So good with waterfowl is um, about seven years ago, me and my friend Brady Davis – he had kids young as well. Um, 
And so we both just like put our heads down and we worked hard and, and we both moved back home from Utah after being out of state working hard. And I got to give credit to Brady. You know, he, he's like, man, come duck hunt with me. I'm like, okay. So I went out. I'm like, I forgot how much fun this was. And it was probably a little bit easier having young kids to go away for a morning. Yeah. Instead of right. five days. Yeah. And so I think that now that I love hunting and I hunt really hard in the fall archery for elk and mule deer, when I come into waterfowl season, it's just so much fun, man. Mm -hmm. The birds are fast. You're shooting a shotgun. Everything's relaxed. I mean, people get really into it, but even I'm really into it. And I have friends that are really into it. But as soon as you get... As soon as, like, we scout. Like, I scout for ducks just like I scout for deer. Really? I mean, the ducks are hitting this spot because they're feeding, you know. They, you know, I got friends that are big goose hunters, you know. They literally drive miles and miles and miles just for looking for fields for geese. And they're putting in the work just to like To find out where they are. To where they are. And then if it's not public ground, then you got to go ask permission. And, I mean, it's work. Mm-hmm. the same but as soon as as soon as you set up and you're calling and you're waiting for the ducks to come in I mean man you're bullshit just like we are Yeah. like you're not sneaking around having to be quiet like we're bullshit drinking worrying coffee. about a pine cone yeah <laughs> yeah worried about <laughs> you know snapping a branch while you're sneaking in man we're telling jokes we're having coffee we're having snacks like it's funny my exercise plan is starting about this time start working out hard so I can hike mm-hmm. it's really self-abusive and then all of a sudden waterfowl season starts and I'm drinking Mountain Dew and donuts in the morning and yeah. <laughs> just getting fat and isn't it so fun, funny man? that the like tragic circle of oh abuse that we put ourselves like yeah. our metabolisms oh, <laughs> for, for like and i mean i yeah. kind of gave up on training for seasons and, and yeah. stuff like that I, I did it really hard for about four years yeah and then i stopped yeah and this last year was my first year that i was like you know what i've done it yeah and now i'm gonna go into terrible shape and i'm gonna see how i fare yeah and i fared fairly well <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah but it's so funny how terrible because I, yeah. I got another buddy back home. His name's Joe, and he's a he's a really big waterfowl guy. Yeah. And, you know, he's always like, I burn it all off during deer season, and I gain it all back during duck season because oh, he dude. sits in the blind and drinks beers. And I'm literally like the poster child for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll hike, and I'll do everything for a big game, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it's just... Slow down. Slow down, and it's fun. Yeah. I mean... Don't get me wrong, like here in Utah when we're setting up 200 decoys in the water and you're knee deep in mud, like it's not easy. Like you're sweating, it's it's 15, 10 degrees outside and you're sweating because you're setting up so many decoys in knee deep mud and waist deep water at the same time setting up, like you're sweating. But as soon as you get in the blind man that's the thing i love about waterfowl hunting and i think it's kind of something that resonates with a lot of waterfowl guys that hunt other things is it's just fun mm-hmm. 
it's it's more relaxed for me at least it's more relaxed you're laughing you're having a great time so in california we have game refuges right where everybody goes to duck hunt and you get your Mm -hmm. number drawn and stuff like that is it the same way out here or what what's what's it like out here dude that was such a trip for me going to california when we when we filmed California, it was such was that a, last year that you guys filmed yeah, California? Yeah, it was last yeah. year. So that was uh, episode that was that was episode two, California yeah. with Ben. With Ben, yeah. yeah, Ben Potter, great guy. Oh yeah. my gosh, I love that. Did kid. an epic podcast with Ben. Yeah, about I, a lot of it. I love that guy. Um, he is he's a good cat. So we went out there, and I didn't know and. Everybody asked me from around here or anything like, what was it like to hunt in California? The only, I, I lived in Temecula training horses for um, almost two years in Temecula. Really? Yeah. Where in Temecula did in you? Teme- well, actually Menifee. Okay. I lived in Menifee, which is right outside of Temecula. So uh, Jeremy McGrath, his house was literally like two minutes away from the ranch that I worked at. No way. Training horses. Yeah. So, I mean, I lived there, and, and, and so when I, I lived in a little bit more of a, now Menifee's so populated, and Temecula's so populated, but back in, I worked there in 2000, 2001. Um, anyways, uh, my only view and mindset of California was the beach, Disneyland, mm-hmm. L.A., populated. I mean, still to this day, I've never been to San Francisco. I love... Don't go. <laughs> I, I want I mean, if weird, you ever man. come, let me know and I'll show, totally I'll, take you yeah, around. Show me around. But, like, don't go. I'm so weird. I love engineering things. Like, I would like to go see the bridge just to see that. Like, I'll take you a, to the yeah. bridge. We, yeah. I mean, because we can still stay north yeah. of San Francisco. Like, I want to go shoot ducks, like, in the bay, like, right yeah. underneath. You know? Oh, we can go do that on yeah. my dad's boat. Yeah. Hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. There's, so, there's blinds out in the bay. That, it blew my mind. So when we went into the Sac Valley to film Sac Valley and... In the sink? Yeah, and I knew that, like, all the birds that migrate pretty much out of Utah, they go straight there. I I knew that all the birds migrated there. I knew it was big. The Delta, it was a big place, but I I just couldn't wrap my head around, like, where did they go? Like, I think it's overpopulated. And then I went into the Sac Valley. I drove down. I can't remember the highway that I came down. 80. Yeah, because I freaking drove from utah straight there <laughs> and, i drive too much yeah so i drove down and, and all of a sudden i'm just following siri you know and following siri and all of a sudden i'm like where are we mm-hmm. rice fields everywhere country town we stop into a walmart we get our hunting licenses we buy ammo and they're like this is the last year you can buy ammo here. If you come back next year, you know. Make sure you have it right. Yeah. And these boys were like my people, like yeah. country kids. Yeah. It just blew my mind because my my thought of California was the beach and and Disneyland. Southern California. Southern California, man. And when I went there and saw all the birds migrating to that area, and then we it's went insane, to, huh? Dude, it's so crazy. So many birds in the sky, dude. So crazy. At dawn. So crazy. They've done such a good job there. Such a good job. And yeah. then you go into the Delta, and I took my my duck boat there and had my mud motor, and I was doing like 35 miles an hour with my duck boat, 
you know, in the Delta, just ripping. And <laughs> everybody's looking at me, you know, because, <laughs> you know, it's loud, you know, it's not. It's not a four-stroke. Yeah, yeah, it's not like. Welcome to California regulations. Yeah, all this regulations. I got this duck motor. It's like, <laughs> Full throttle yeah. just opened up. All the fishermen are like, what the? Yeah. And I'm just ripping on this thing. And gosh, it was so fun. And the birds in the Delta just hundreds of thousands of birds. Yeah. Like something to see. But then like you're talking about the draw lines. Like when we went down to uh, Mendota. Because ironically here, there's not that. We have tons of public land here. Um, We don't have closed days like Mendota is WMA and has closed days and you have lotteries and then you have the sweat line, which California is famous for the sweat line. It's terrible. So you stand in line. So Ben, Ben had Joel go there literally 24 hours before to get in line. So we, and he probably wasn't the first guy in line. No, he wasn't. He was like the, he was like the 30th car in line at like, or the 20th car in line 24 hours before. Yeah. And I'm like, this Welcome is to crazy. California duck hunting. This is crazy. It's something that they should be advertising in California because they have the number one sales in tags. Mm-hmm. I mean, the revenue in California for hunters, that's crazy. Yeah, billions. Crazy. Yeah. It'd be super interesting to know where all that money goes. <laughs> well, you know what's actually funny is that we did have a governor... Um, in California that tried to reallocate a lot of our conservation funds that are coming in through license and tag revenue stamps. You know, you used to have to get a striper stamp or Mm -hmm. all these different programs to implement and then there's millions of dollars and then they stop doing it and then there's just millions of dollars sitting around and no one really knows what to do with the money because of whatever and it's California. Yeah. Um, anyways, governor tried to allocate, reallocate the funds and the other stuff and was completely shut down because our, our money is, our tax money for conservation is absolutely 100% never going to make it into the general fund. Good. You know, which is, which is a great thing that we have going for us in California. Yeah. And it needs to be that way, especially for waterfowl, because I mean, that is legitimately one of the biggest areas. Where when you look at CWA to. and everything that Cal Waterfowl has done yep. for the flyway and, yep. you know, the Butte sink and, and, and the habitat restoration, it's yep. just has been phenomenal. Yeah. You know, like it's it, literally for lack of a better word, it's prolific. Yeah. You know what they've been able to achieve for and the crazy thing is, is that a place like that, like they have to, yeah. or like California, what they need to know is that area and where all those birds migrate to, California is responsible for the population of waterfowl. Well, California Come, hunters. California hunters and ca- like I'm yeah. saying, California in general, I mean, they're responsible for waterfowl on the Pacific coast in, 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 the, in the large majority. Mm-hmm. because that's where a lot of them go yeah. if they don't end up staying there they might go down to Mexico but a lot of them just stay there and hang out mm-hmm. you know I yeah. mean they're, it's a big thing to where it's a big responsibility and it's also a big privilege for California hunters and especially waterfowl hunters to look at it like if they mess up and they don't and they don't keep 
the right people in office and they don't keep looking after that, then they start developing lands and they start well, taking away those Well, then it just becomes what's happened with the deer. All, and then all of a sudden they drop in population. Yeah, it, it you know, it, it turns into what's happened with our deer mm-hmm. population and predator control. Mm-hmm. We cannot have predator control in California. It's yeah. as simple as that. I mean, you guys have cougars out there that kill people. Yeah, we do. Because <laughs> you I can't mean, shoot them, right? And, and I can say <laughs> for a fact, my grandfather used to issue out bounties, $50 a cat. For yeah. anybody in Marin County that killed a cat and called him, he yeah. would drive, he'd look at the cat, and he'd pay him $50. And we have, no, not at all now. <laughs> yeah. We can't kill cats, period. Any cats. There is no cat hunting. Bobcats, none of it. Like, it's all shut down, shut off. That's crazy. It's absolutely out of fucking control. And it's, anyways, we don't need to go down that right spectrum, right. you know, but as long as we don't allow that to happen with right. waterfowl, waterfowl will stay. Right. No, so I mean, as really I had a huge... I had a huge eye awakening when I came to California because I didn't even, and I've learned more about it with making friends with you and friends like Ben. Mm-hmm. To, ben is the best like, mustache. I'm like, holy cow. Does I, he still I'm, have his mustache? Side note. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if Ben shaves that mustache, I mean, I don't even know if I'll recognize him. I don't know if I could be his friend. I, I might have to, like, click the unfollow button. Until he grows it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ben gives mustache rights. <laughs> Don't kill me. I, I love I love how Ben like he say something, especially like his glasses. And his glasses like, are his glasses. so epic. <laughs> They're so sick. And he's like the first one to be like say something about him. He's like, yeah, yeah. It's Elk like, Fever Three. Yeah. Oh, epic, man. epic film, dude. That's how I. That's how I met Ben because I. I was lucky enough to have two Wasatch bull elk tags consecutive years. I drew one at the expo and then yeah, I drew, well, you can go fuck drew yourself. one with, right. <laughs> and I drew one with my points. And so I was watching Ben's films and I saw his duck hunting films and so how how Hunt Forty One came up is um it was kind of an idea that I had brewing around my brain and then I talked to my buddy Tony about it. And we wanted to highlight waterfowl and figure out a good way to highlight them. And and Ben came out for a for a waiter shoot for the the Sitka waiters um, that came out. And Ben's out there doing a waterfowl shoot, and all I want to do is talk to him about elk hunting because mm-hmm. I just I watched all of his his duck hunting films and then I watched you know his his elk films and. And then I followed him and he's like, yeah, I really like, I'm gonna get into elk hunting. And, and this is before he actually started elk hunting. So we started chatting about it. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm shooting my bow. Like I wanna get into it. Mm-hmm. So we start chatting about that. We didn't even talk about hunting stuff. And, and probably about eight months later, I, I, call, I text him, I said, hey, I got a, got a really good idea for a waterfowl project. Would you mind? Uh, having a phone conversation with me. Sure. Which so, was? Which was Hunt 41. Mm-hmm. Um, what is Hunt 41? So Hunt 41 is the celebration of American waterfowl. There's 
41 species that migrate through North America, and that's a debatable subject. There's more than 41, but there's 41 that have been recognized for a very long time. Mm -hmm. That if you were a trophy, quote unquote, trophy waterfowl hunter, these are what you're looking you for. You chase all 41. It's kind of like. A so will you list all 41 species? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll go through it, you know, one by one. Yeah. Take 41 minutes. No, I'm just joking. So it's just like a sheep slam. Like if there's a guy that just. Which, loves. I mean, that happens in the waterfowl world. 100%. It's, it's called Absolutely. The, it's called I mean, 41. there's. I would. I would. And correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I would say that there's just as much money, if not more money in the duck world and the waterfowl world than there is in the sheep world. Oh man. Cause like, so where I grew up, yeah. a lot of the guys that I knew that had duck clubs and went to duck clubs and this is in the nineties, they were paying a quarter million dollars for their entry fee to get a seat. And oh, that, yeah. that's not their 50 or a hundred thousand oh, dollars yearly. Sinks, the sinks has million, million dollar duck clubs all, all day long. Yeah. Yeah. I, we we have a duck club up here in Utah that that's the on the Bear River Refuge, which is a really good duck club. Here we call it it's we call it the Million Dollar Duck Club, but I mean I have a couple friends that have guided up there, friends that are guides up there, and I mean they are there's like it's a lot of money in the duck world. Deer. Yeah, like big money. Like these guys fly in on Lear jets. It's to shoot you know, seven ducks a day. Yeah, they fly in on Lear jets. It's a thousand dollars a day, so they pay their yearly dues. They buy in, which to buy into that, somebody has to die. And if one of their kids doesn't want it, then you have to buy into it. And you have to be on a and wait you have list. To be approved. Yeah. By a bunch of these guys. These guys are up there carrying legitimately half million dollar shotguns. Yeah. So there's guides in the water. They're carrying half million dollar shotguns. And there, it's a thousand. What is a thousand dollars a day less tip, and that's with food and everything. These guys come in on Lear jets, and they bring their own chef sometimes, and they stay for the whole. Uh, I think their season is like a sixty-day season up there. That's mm -hmm. it. We have a hundred. We have a hundred-plus day season here in Utah, depending on ducks and geese and yada yada. But those guys are up there. There's some guys that legitimately stay the whole time for sixty days. And that's above their yearly due. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I was talking to Dawson, uh, Dawson Lee, you know him, right? Mm -hmm. Photographer, like I was talking, Ben and I were talking with Dawson when we were filming Texas just barely, and he was telling me about some of these duck clubs that are in Arkansas, these timber clubs that are the same thing, mm -hmm. like entry fees of like two mil, whatever. Duck, dude, the duck world is fucking crazy, it, man. It's old, man. It's tradition. Yeah. It's tradition. The tradition with color coded, beautiful over unders yeah. and oh man, the tradition with it with guns and market hunting. It goes back so far, so far. Mm -hmm. I mean, as soon as people, you know, as soon as the ships came in and there were settlers here, I mean, they were harvesting ducks because I mean there were by the hundreds of thousands on the east coast yeah migrating right there canvas backs and all of the ducks like they were just market hunting um the tradition is so thick with waterfowl it's really really cool 
it's insane. The carving, I mean, the, the duck carving. There's, when, well, we, when, when, we, when, when we filmed California, um, we went to Mike's house. He's one of the coolest old guys I've ever seen. I mean, he literally, when we were hunting his own property that he made into a duck club, and it's the duck club of one. It's his duck club. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, we went down to his guest house thing and it was like a duck shop and I'm like it is and uh, and I went I'm like how many members are in this club he goes one and I'm like oh he's like me that's it I'm the only member yeah. I invite people here you know so he he made this that episode so great so rich I mean I know you have a lot of California guys that listen to this podcast I mean go watch that I, we did the best job we could of showing california waterfowl and and the diversity of it but mike is a great guy and he's done a ton for conservation mm-hmm. in california with waterfowl i mean he he has wood duck boxes all over his property just to help the wood duck population yeah i mean this is legitimately right around his house like he is his own conservation method mm-hmm. <laughs> by building that's epic. Wood bo- like wood duck boxes, so yeah. they can nest and, and everything there. Um, he he's a great guy, and he started some clubs in the Butte Sinks. So I mean, there the money with waterfowl's crazy, it really so is. crazy. I know I always give a shit about sheep hunters and how much money they got. <laughs> but Let's talk about duck money, <laughs> right? It's a, a duck little bit. Money. I mean, it's a different caliber. It's it different, is. It's a, just a, yeah, different. The, the best, the best thing that I love about waterfowl and why I like promoting that as mm-hmm. far as, as far as a way to get people into hunting is the barrier to entry to waterfowl. Mm-hmm. I feel is one of the cheapest barriers to entry. If somebody wants to get into hunting, they want to do it leisurely. They want to have a ton of fun. The barrier to entry is really cheap with waterfowl. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially in California, a guy could be hunting in <laughs> in the Delta. I mean, you don't even need really good rain gear. Yeah. You're out there hunting in the Delta and it's, I mean, in California, you can go to, you can go, yeah, you can go to the sloughs. Yeah. It's 60 degrees. You'd be hunting in a t-shirt. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, it can get cold, but. It gets cold. Yeah. I mean. That's what I love about waterfowl as far as getting people into hunting. It's kind of like bird hunting and pheasant hunting. Like the bear to entry isn't super crazy. Mm-hmm. So what kind of service is Hunt 41 providing? So we have a website, hunt41.com, and we're finishing building it out. And that's like the main hub. So if somebody wants to just connect with other waterfowlers across the country, then you can go on hunt41.com and you can chat with guys in different states. And you can find guys that yep. might have access to yeah. somewhere else in another state mm-hmm. to get some bucket list species right. that you might have. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, like here in Utah, we have a bunch of different species that come through here. Uh, other states, only other really... Some ducks don't migrate through there. So as as far as if you're chasing the 41 species of ducks, some ducks migrate on different flyways and some don't. Mm -hmm. So on hunt41.com, if you want, if you're really chasing 
a certain duck, then you can connect with somebody in Utah or California, like in California, the cinnamon teal or, um, and guys on the East coast never see cinnamon teal. Mm -hmm. I mean, I shouldn't say never, but that's how you can connect with people. And what we're doing with the films, like with Ben, Ben's, um, one of my partners, what we're doing with the films is we just really want to highlight what each state has to offer. Yeah. Like what, what the traditions are, like how you hunt them and the birds that migrate through your state and just bring it back to the birds, you know? So it's not so much what gear are you wearing or you're cool or not cool, man. It's just about the birds and having fun. Um, I would say we haven't, we haven't been with a lot of guides. We don't really want to go with any guides. We don't oppose people that guide. That's a business. We just want to promote duck hunting. Duck hunting. We want to promote and the waterfowl. celebration of waterfowl. Yeah. We don't want to promote any one, any one outfitter or any one person. Like if you notice in a lot of the episodes, myself or Tony or Ben, like we're not even the highlight of the episode. We try to highlight our host, yeah. the local because we want to know what your state's about, what it has to offer. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you, just kind of like what you're doing with this podcast, we want to know about your tradition, what your tradition is and what and drives your story. You. Yeah. You know, and, and that's... Well, it's the preservation of the history, man. And yeah. this is the history of the foundation of America. Right. A hundred percent. You know? And people that miss that? Yeah. I mean, how the fuck are you going to miss that, man? Yeah. It's, you go back in our history in America for so long and so far back, like we are a hunting society. Yeah. We are outdoorsmen. That is how we built this nation. Yep. You know, exploration, going against the grain, going off the trail. You know yep. what I mean? Like yep. 100% that is the American way. Yep. You know? It's how, it's how everything was built. I mean, from waterfowl hunting on the East Coast and the traditions of that and feeding people to where the elk weren't over there, you know what I mean? And then you have the 49ers, the gold rushers that came over and you watch anything, you look up history and what were, what were the butchers selling? Mm-hmm. They were selling fowl. They were selling fish. They were selling deer. They were selling Dude, elk. They weren't I have, selling beef. They weren't selling. I have newspaper articles from San Francisco Times, I think is what it was called back then. And uh, mid-1800s about the trappers ferrying across the bay to go to Marin County. And they were killing grizzly bears and they were killing wolves, cutting them up, and bringing all the meat back to San Francisco for market. Yep. yep. That's, I mean, that. Yeah. You know, we didn't start eating cattle really until the Civil War. Right. That was really and, when we started eating beef and getting yeah. into the cattle industry. Yeah, and then he, even after that, I, I was just talking with, with Heidi about this literally just yesterday. Even then, like, when people were moving west, if they if they had cattle, they they weren't butchering them. 
I mean, they were trying to build herds. Mm -hmm. They were going out and they were shooting game, harvesting game to eat them. They weren't eating cattle back then. Yeah. Because cattle were worth so much. Mm -hmm. They were wanting to build up herds to, you know. Sell. To sell or to use them. Yeah. But not at first. Yeah. When I first came out here, you know, it was buffalo. It was everything else. Yeah. To eat, you know, and I think there's the tradition of it, and it's just the tradition, and that's what fired me up because I think the whole like uh, kind of to circle back and what tr- what triggers me and gets me going about waterfowl is is it's so easy and it's easy to get into to help teach people like you are about hunters education. And the communication level in the waterfowl world isn't as dialed in as big game world, like mm-hmm. you're like how much you're into sheep and the mule deer and stuff. Like that's what we're trying to do with Hunt41.com. I mean, we all have regular trying jobs. to open up the doors. Where yeah, we all have regular jobs, and we're just just trying to pick away at the website and get it perfected because we don't have boatloads of money to try to get it finished. But yeah you google search anything about big game hunting right now there's an answer (laughs) seriously no i know know i I wouldn't doubt you for a second like you google anything about sheep right now or where to get them or where to do this or where to do that and there's just or who to go with or who to talk to like there's kind of just a little bit of a void in the waterfowl world with that which boggles my mind because there is tons of waterfowl hunters from a guy that goes out maybe once or twice or three times during the season but it's still a tradition that i feel as much as people it's like the same thing with the joe rogan thing as much as people like in the waterfowl world want to talk shit about the duck dynasty show Mm -hmm. the duck dynasty show literally upsells in the waterfowl world absolutely do you, and Across the board, I would assume, yeah. on everything. You know our friend Sam Soholt, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the purest form of conservation money, you know what it is, right? The what? purest form. The duck stamp. Mm-hmm. He it just is, sold a gang of them. Yeah. It is the purest form. So, doll, so penny for penny, if you will. Yeah. Penny for penny on something put into conservation and goes back to con- con- conservation is the duck stamp. Mm-hmm. It's the purest form of money generation for conservation is the duck stamp. Mm-hmm. And so as much as waterfowl guys hated that uh, Duck Dynasty showed the beards and they did all that stuff, I had to respect it a little bit because if you look, it did spike the numbers. It did help. Yeah. You know, and... Well, it raised awareness yep. and it raised valuability. Valuability? Yeah. I don't even think that's a fucking word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, I think some guys, if they look at that... It raised the value. Yeah, it raised... It, it did. You know it what I mean? It did. You know? And I think it might have put, like, this little bit of a redneck vibe, like, onto it. You but know? who cares? You know what? It, who cares? You know what? If I... And I remember when that show came out. Yeah. And I mean, when that show came out, I had like a nine inch beard. I can't get a nine inch beard. And I had probably, I had hair that covered my titty nipples. You know what I mean? Like I had long hair. I had long hair. 
and a real long beard. Nah, man, my long hair ain't covering up my redneck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's just how it was. But you just looked like a homeless. I did. For sure. I looked like Jesus. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it was sexy, but uh, just a tattooed Jesus. Um, <laughs> the fuck, dude. But uh, when that show came out, like, and I watched it, and I was just so. Amazed. I mean, mind you, the show was a total front to the fact that those guys are geniuses and they've all been through college and a lot of it is all like oh, a super, super staged show. 100%. That being said, if I had created the Duck Commander Calls and created the brand the way that his father had yeah, and became a millionaire because of it, you do you know what him. I would be doing? I would be buying hundreds of thousands of acres of land in Montana and I would be blowing shit up. I'd be rolling (laughs) around with the machine guns on all kinds of like amphibious and what other type of vehicles because I had the money to do it and have fun doing it. I would probably, I mean, my favorite duck hunt that I did growing up every year Mm -hmm. was at my uncle's ranch in Montana where he had three ponds and it was a family tradition. It would, yeah. We'd we'd jump shoot the ponds, right? Oh. So I and I'm all about jump. I was never yeah. a blind hunter. I was all yeah. about jump shooting. And I we love would, jump shooting. That's how I grew up doing it, man. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah. And, and I would, you know, I mean, like if I would totally set up ponds to go yeah. jump shoot ponds and have you yeah. know fish and whatever else I wanted to do because I just had the money to do it. And I would act oh. the exact, if, if I found a beaver dam, I'd rig it with dynamite and I'd blow that thing sky high and yeah. not give two shits about it and have a great time doing it. I mean, I'd probably try to trap the beaver first and make a hat out of it. Would you make it, would, would you like cut the tail off and then do the, the meat eater thing and boil out the fat and cook the, cook the tail? I wouldn't do that. No, I would just make it into a hat. <laughs> no, I'll make it into a fucking hat. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe some like nice waterproof vest or something, yeah. you know? I wonder yeah. how many beavers it would take to do a nice little waterproof vest. I mean, I don't know. We should call somebody. Well, and, and believe it or not, in, in the Sacramento River. Let me can, guess, they're protected? No, no, you can beaver hunt. And I'm pretty sure you can archery hunt beavers at night. Oh, really? Yeah, with, spot, with spotlights. Don't quote me on this, anybody. And if anybody does it, it's not because I said that you could do it. But <laughs> Whatever, I, you heard it here. Do it. <laughs> I mean, you heard it here. But, like, double check the regulations. Side yeah. note. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, that's kind of what I, I've heard that you could do. You, could, you had one too many cherry Cokes. You're I did. That was a lies. really good cherry Coke. Why you got to tell people... <laughs> The can that I opened is a cherry Coke. It could have been so many things. I just well, like to leave people to their imagination. Oh. Even though they should all know that I don't drink. I'm having Coors Light. You know, it's my sponsor. Yeah. I get paid millions. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm drinking and they're paying me for it. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag my sponsor. Hashtag pro staff. Coors Hashtag pro staff. Pro staff Coors Light. Mountains are blue. Yeah. <laughs> So back to Hunt 41. Yeah, sorry. So, no, no, we're good. I don't even know how we went down all that shit. Well, if you want to become a millionaire. We were talking about Duck Hunt Dynasty. That's how we we got there. But, and I I appreciate what those guys have done. No, I mean, I I do. Man, it's America. Yeah. I celebrate anytime somebody makes money. Uh Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, 
I don't know, Ben. Ben's probably way better at podcasts. His interview is probably way better if you asked him about this. You probably talked about elk cutting a lot because he's super jacked about it right Oh, now. dude, we totally did. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's career into getting into elk hunting, like, there is no better segue in life. I mean, he's literally got to learn from the best people in the from, world. From some of the best elk hunters on the planet. I love it. Like, hands down. Cool job. Get, get yeah. going, Ben. Yeah. Way to really just stack the deck in your favor <laughs> on that one, Ben. Like, Epic. Ben's like, I think I'm going to get into calling. I'm like, well, that's great. You've mm-hmm. literally followed around the best callers. Yeah. You know, yeah. no big deal. No, he, he works hard at it. He's, he he, he really does. me up. I, but know, that, that's the thing about Ben. Like when I approached him about the project, Ben helped with the Hunt 41 project. Because when I approached him about it, I'm like, yeah, man, we want to travel around. We want to hunt. We wanted to do it in one season because nobody's done it before. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's a possibility. I don't. So we researched it and we planned it. It would just take a boatload of money, which none of us had. Mm-hmm. But it's doable if somebody literally like had, had the, the money, money to and do it. had no family and they could just go do it. Um, well, and Ben's I, like, Ben's I like, don't have a boatload of money, but if anybody wants to sponsor me doing it. Yeah. Get it. I'll show will, you how to do it. I will. I will do it with you guys and somebody because I don't. I do don't. They, I don't do have a family have, or a like, wife or anything like that. So like, I mean, fuck it. Let's do thing, it. There's such thing as a bag bitch for like <laughs> duck hunting. I mean, oh, probably. Uh, those are called caddies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the people that carry the golf clubs yeah, around. Yeah. I'll be your shotgun holder. <laughs> if you uh, get that. I have a Mossberg. Hell yeah. No, I have a Beretta. I have a nice Beretta, but yeah. I, I won't ever use it. I've only used it a couple times. Why? Because I don't ever go duck hunting. That's a damn shame. Yeah, it's a pretty... I mean, you live in a good state. You can be duck hunting fast and do a lot. I know. A lot of people... A lot of different species, a too. A lot of people try to take me duck hunting every single year. A lot of people try to take me duck hunting. You and should it, go. It's fun. You know, you don't have to hike your ass off like you always do with 700 pounds of film gear and bullshit, bullshit, (laughs) carry out ram horns that weigh more than your body weight. Dude, they're big. Yeah, they're heavy. Sheep hunting is a fucking addiction, dude. I'm sure just like duck hunting. I mean, I bet you don't have a stone sheep in your house. I don't. (laughs) I'll have a replica soon, though, from my first stone sheep hunt that I went on. It's so weird that that's not sheep's right there. But anyways, yeah. back on subject. <laughs> we just we just hung up a stone sheep. No big deal. So for all the sheep hunters out there, my girlfriend bought a house and the the people left a stone sheep in the house that she bought. How do you do that? I have no idea. I don't know how you do that. I loved your face because. I told her about it. She you're all, oh, there's some fucked up sheep in the back of her truck. And I'm like, what? You're like, yeah, you're all, oh, go check it out. It's like a goat or something. Like, I knew you were probably just. No, that's what she said. She goes, hey, um, that goat's in the back of the that's truck. That's what she, that is what she said, literally. <laughs> and you go out there and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's a stone, stone sheep <laughs> in the back of this truck. <laughs> like, that just, was great. Just chilling. No, <laughs> yeah. no protection or nothing. Right. Beautiful ram, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful ram. But, you know, Ben, about Ben, back on subject, Ben 
So I was talking to Ben, and Ben, his imagination, and you can see it in his films, is he just... So I started telling him, he's like, okay, well, what about besides the birds do you want to do? And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, I want to find local guys to go hunt with local guys and maybe go with like some youth or something in these different states. Mm -hmm. And Ben, Ben's wheels start turning and he's like, oh, this is, this is a pretty good idea. Let me sit with it. And then we chatted about it again. He's like, no, this is really cool. And then it just is like progressed because he knew kind of how my mindset was and how Tony's mindset is. Um, Tony's the type of guy that he's like all waterfowl. Mm -hmm. Like he looks at that sheep, he, he would he would be like Heidi, my girlfriend, and be like, looks like a goat, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tony is all birds, and but and so Ben could see stuff, and he's like, how about this? And then we all just kind of like rattled off with each other to where it got back to kind of where it is now, to where we just we want to showcase the birds and we want to showcase the states and we want to showcase the traditions mm -hmm. and bring it back to just is what it is you know sitting sitting in a duck blind kind of like sitting in a big game camp sitting around a campfire having fun and getting back to the traditions like you're sitting in a duck blind and you're talking to a biologist in California like we did yeah or talking to Mike about how he he got into it and how he loves conservation and he has all these wood duck boxes because he wants to help the wood duck population and you know you go to the east coast like this year this year was so crazy we hunted on George, George Washington's family property how cool is that the, I mean that was so epic mm -hmm. like we ate dinner a full game bird dinner in what would have been at that time a slave quarter that now is part of a house of um family of george washington's um just so it's just plug my family really quick they're really good friends with the washington's yeah. back in the day oh yeah yeah my family played some crazy roles in american history that's awesome it's pretty neat i love it yeah. and coming to find out like i i in no way shape or form and the what I love about doing this project is I said this from the, the beginning I'm not a waterfowl expert man mm -hmm. ben, just will, a guy, ben, dude. ben will admit it yeah Ben's like all I ever thought about shooting was greenheads and pintails and mm -hmm. some geese yeah teal too because they're delicious yeah, teal because they're everywhere and spoonies they're delicious though <laughs> yeah. teal are so yeah, good they are good you know and Ben's like my, I was raised as a kid. I was frowned upon to shoot divers, mm -hmm. like bluebills, canvasbacks, ringnecks. He's like, I was taught as a kid those were trash ducks until now doing this project, you know, and seeing how guys hunt divers and the way that they cook them. And it, it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, we've been talking, like we were talking to some guys when we were filming this year in Texas in Galveston and there's Galveston Island's a beautiful place oh dude isn't it insane yeah it's crazy so we were in Galveston and, and just seeing hundreds of thousands of redhead ducks like that's literally where all of them migrate to really 
like the majority of most of the redheads migrate right to Galveston Bay. No I mean, way. You you see that and you see it lifts up and it's a cloud and it it'll literally shade you with how many ducks come. Wow. And it, it's crazy. <clears throat> and then you hear about these, you know, people in Louisiana that eat coots, which coots are like, everybody's like, oh, it's trash. And like, these guys in Galveston were saying they're people from Louisiana that come up here and they shoot coots and they eat every bit of it, the gizzard and everything. And they're really? like, the way they cook it is amazing. It's so funny because like, we just always were like, coots are trash birds. Yeah, you don't even, yeah. <laughs> it's a slow day, you shoot them, you know? But, <laughs> just to shoot at yeah. something. Yeah. It sounds terrible. Super interesting. Like another thing like that I've learned in doing more research in, in waterfowl is coots, they, they never fly, right? You never see a coot fly. Mm-hmm. They are the bird that migrates at the highest altitude. Really? Yep. Yeah. They That's migrate insane. at the highest altitude. Coots do. That's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'll take a page out of your book. I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on this. <laughs> but I've read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, it's just super interesting, and that's what I love about it. I think that it's probably like the sheep thing. The guys that go after the sheep slam, each, each sheep is different, and they're in different areas. They might do different things. Yeah. And with waterfowl, there's 41 of them, and there's hybrids, there's mix, you know, like a pintail breeds with a mallard, and... And you get into all these different hybrids and all these different things. There's so many different waterfowl. And so when a guy gets into the waterfowl world, there's so much to learn, like how you hunt a diver duck, how you hunt a puddle duck, how you hunt the geese. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's so much fun learning it. And it's, it's so much fun learning from every state. And it's fun because we're in our second season and the second year of doing this. And there's already people trading hunts on the website. There's people that we ask, like, hey, anybody doing any new trips? And they're like, oh, yeah, I met this guy on the website or I met this guy through the page and we're trading hunts. I'm from Texas and I'm going to go up to Massachusetts and hunt sea ducks. And he's coming down here and he wants to shoot cranes. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it might be, there's doing people hunt swap. already doing hunt swaps, and that was like one of the big things that we were like, "Man, it'd be so cool!" Like, how my, cool, man? My dream would be that a kid, a, an 18, 19 year old kid that is just working hard at, I don't even care what the job is, he he could save up four hundred dollars for a plane ticket, and his dream would be to shoot a cinnamon teal. And he meets somebody on the website and they switch a hunt and he's from Arkansas and they want like, well, I've never hunted timber. I'm from Utah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never hunted timber like that. And this kid, this high school kid, you do a switch hunt or a 21 year old kid. I, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like just switching hunts like that. Like a, a young kid that maybe his dad's a computer programmer. He's not into hunting. Mm-hmm. I met one of them. Um, up here in, in Utah he took a boat his mom dropped him off and he, he literally paddled the boat out and hooked it up like we hook, out, hook up the layout boats 
And it wasn't even a layout boat. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I just got that idea. I saw that on that, I saw that on that show. So that's why my mom dropped me off. How crazy is that? It's, it's, it boggles my mind, man. And so it's like, so when people hit you up, it's, it's humbling. And even to this day, like, they're like, this is a really cool project. Like, thanks for bringing people together in Waterfowl and joining people together in Waterfowl. It's like myself, Ben, Tony, all of us. It's like, it's humbling. And it's like, I don't even care if my face is in the episodes or anything. Like, I just want people to be sharing the passion to grow it. Yeah. And that's pretty much my whole, uh, like, standpoint on hunting and the outdoor world is, is just trying to bring it back to what it is and the tradition. Grow that, it better for the next guy. Like, get it better for and Lead by example, generation. man. Like, the way that I was raised somehow I want to like give back enough so other people feel the same thing that I did like I was forged by the way that I was raised sitting with cousins around a campfire or walking a ditch line and jump shooting with my buddies in high school Mm -hmm. like that forged and made it through the hard times in my life to who I am today yeah and you know you kind of touched on it earlier for me you know it was like and I strayed for a while and I and I got out of that you know and and it literally was hunting and nature that re-centered me and brought me back to the peace that I'm at today yep like 100 percent yep you know because when I came out of all of that shit and was confused and terrified and absolutely like had no idea how to live life on life's terms Mm -hmm. because I had had things helping me you know coping mechanisms mm-hmm. to help me yeah you know and, and now my coping mechanism is the outdoors right you know and and you know when I got to you know I got sober in 2004 and when I really started diving back into the outdoors you know 06 07 I would say more 07 mm-hmm. you know it's like that was see it might have been 06 but right in there in that time period when I really dove back into it and it was like wow yeah. why did I leave this mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's crazy man yeah, and I think that's just like the small part of kind of like what we're trying to do with the films is just the same thing like for me at least I can't speak for, for Ben or Tony but for me at least I feel like just trying to give back a little bit Mm-hmm. You know, um, trying to shine light on something that will trigger something. You know, I've had, yeah, like we talked about stuff. I've had so many of my best friends die from addictions and different things that, you know, people fall into all the time that it's just like, I'm not a religious guy in church, so I can't preach through like a <laughs> church aspect, yeah. you know, like. But if I can preach through a little bit of hunting, per se, to be like, hey, you know, like, come on a horse ride. Let's go on a horse ride. Let's go look at some deer. Or or somebody's like, you know what, that's really, looks really fun. Like, well, look, look at that. That's really fun. They're riding on a boat in a marsh. Yeah. You know, or they're doing this or doing that. But, man, I don't know. Like, 
It might save somebody. It might just turn somebody on to horse stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you know what, though? And, and it could be somebody like you with that mentality 40 years ago that, is that affected me yeah. getting to where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know so I don't know. That's the importance of it. Yeah. You know? It Everybody is. always talks about common sense gun laws and all this fucking bullshit. <laughs> if we could just save one child, let's find a better way. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's the important, man. That's the important thing to for hunters and conservation guys and everything to, to shine a light on. And like we keep repeating this is just tradition because at the end of the day, I think that's what's going to shine through. Well, get out there and fucking do something for yeah. conservation. Don't just stand on a soapbox and fucking talk about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't, don't. And that's something that really, like, irks me is people that are like, oh, you know, like this and this and that and, you know, all this bullshit for conservation. And yeah. then you sit them down and you're like, cool, dude, what have you done? What, do you, what have you done for conservation? What are you doing? Right. And they're like, oh, well, I talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So you talk about it to promote other people to do actions so you don't have to? Like, come on, <laughs> right. motherfucker. Like, get out there and live it, man. Right. Don't just fucking, you know, don't just talk about it. And Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's great. Like, even the duck stamp thing, like, I like that. Like, if you bite one stamp, bite two. Mm-hmm. Like well, Sam and I talked about that at, at uh, Yeti House when you and I met yeah, at, the, ta- at, the, at the Total Archery yeah. Challenge this yeah. last year. You know, because I was talking, I was just picking Sam's brain about mm-hmm. all kinds of cool shit. You know, like I love his Nintendo Duck Hunt shirts that he does, yeah, and like great. you know what I mean. Like he does all kinds of like quick and witty, yeah. like new age kind of shit. You oh know? yeah, like which oh, is yeah. totally out of the box in my opinion oh, yeah. for. You know, normalcy, which I took, I admire and I appreciate yeah. that a lot. And uh, I, I was picking his brain, you know, just about a couple of different ideas that I had. And he was telling me about that. And I was like, dude, that's fucking so cool, dude. Genius. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of people have like, you do like buy two just in case, like you might have a friend that forgot mm-hmm. or like you have to have the duck stamp with you. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people don't remember that. Like you have to have your, you know, if you travel, like I have my Utah, my Utah small game and my duck stamp on it. Mm-hmm. So if I travel to California, I need to carry that because my federal stamps on my Utah. Not on your California. Not on my California one. Yeah. So you have to bring that, you know, and, and so buy an extra one. Because mm-hmm. if a friend forgets and you travel somewhere, like a. You're just helping out conservation, and then B, if a buddy's sitting there in front of the game warden and he forgot his duck stamp or his duck stamps back in the truck, like, just hand him one. Yeah. You know, at the same time, and if not, then buy two. And I saw that I saw a guy that just posted online, his grandfather died, and he had 63 years worth of duck tags, or duck stamps, and... What a collection. And so he put them up, like framed them. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's you some tradition. I mean, then I don't duck hunt, but I get a duck stamp every year. Good. I love getting the Good duck stamp, you. dude. When they actually yeah. send me the stamp, I'm like, hell yeah, just post this right up right? on my board. Like, <laughs> right? you know. 
it's awesome. But no, I mean, I think it's, I don't know. We could go on for hours about it. I think that that's why I like making friends. And it's so, it's funny because social media can be such a bitch sometimes, but mm-hmm. so great because there's so many of us that are friends now. Yeah. That would have never been friends without well, social media. You know, and, and you and I didn't, we didn't meet through social media. We actually met in person. Yeah. You know, shaking hands and saying yeah. what's up. And, uh, shaking babies and kissing hands. Yeah. Seriously, that was a fun fucking week. <laughs> that was a fun was weekend. A fun attack, week. huh? I was driving your truck quite a bit that weekend. Well, yeah. We were listening to Biggie Smalls a bunch. Well, yeah, we had to take it back to the West Coast rap. Yeah. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and you, you and I got to meet and we've stayed in contact. And, yeah. you know, like I came out to Utah before I went to BC. And I, I guess we'll throw Brett under the bus on this a little bit. Yeah. And, um, you know, you and I ended up getting to contact. I called you yeah. and I was like, hey, I'm in Utah. I'm just oh, finishing geez. scouting. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And you're like, hey, you know, I'm over here doing this other thing a couple hours away from you. Yeah. You know? And I was like, cool. I'm uh, over here helping out Brett. You know what Brett's saying? You're like, I think I've seen his stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I think I've seen his photography or something yeah, like that. Yeah. On Instagram. And you're like, yeah. oh yeah, check him out, blah, blah, blah. And then oh, you're no, all, it's because of his, it's because of his uh his hunt that he did in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And you're all, yeah, dude, come on down. And then ended up in camp with you guys for Pink sunglasses and pink sunglasses. I walked yeah. in the trailer. Yep, that was awkward because you weren't there yet. And <laughs> no, Brett and Buck were. Brett and Buck were just sitting there taking a nap. They were. They were laying there. Yeah. Didn't even wake up. No, they <laughs> Still, didn't. Uh. No. <laughs> and then you walked up to the trailer. I'm like, hey, you... sons of bitches, are ready to hunt? Go yeah. scout for deer or what? And I'm gl- I'm sitting there glassing a four pointer like. At camp. A hundred yards out of <laughs> camp. Just chilling. And I walk up and like, I think I just started talking shit. You're like, I would shoot that one right now. Yeah. We're I like, no, it, this is Utah limited entry. No. Yeah. We yeah. let that one slide. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyways, that was an epic hunt. Oh, dude. Epic. The best part of the whole thing was I'd been hunting these stupid bastards for weeks all archery season right all archery season i couldn't get close enough 100 closest shot i took was a 90 yard shot which is probably unethical but i've been practicing and what happened like i told you remember like i ranged him i'm like 90 yards and i was stuck i had no more cover i had no more cover and i'm like okay when he puts his head back down to feed i'm gonna draw back so i I I go, I draw back. No, I was waiting to draw back. And the little buck that he was with looked at me. And then he fed away just a little bit more, which I figure was about five five more yards, which is 95 yards, which is a long shot. Yeah. 90 yards is a long shot, but five yards in that distance is a long ways. Yeah, that's like two and, feet. Yeah. And uh, I should have just, yeah. So I should have. Anyway, I should have drew down and re, re, but I missed. That was the one chance I had at that deer. I had no close, no, 
closer chance because it's the middle of the freaking desert and there's no cover. I mean, you saw it. Yeah. And so I kept telling Brett, and you remember that? There were the two deer I kept sending him pictures of. I showed you guys the pictures. You're like, I'd take the typical all day. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, well, I, don't know. I mean, this, the pictures, the pictures that we were looking at from <laughs> yeah, your phone didn't, that's bullshit, though. I'm didn't like, do that deer justice I'm, I'm in like, the slightest. I'm like, this deer's going to score more than the other one. I get it. Like, that's a that's a 200-plus typical deer, Maybe. but this other could, one's a non-typical. And a lot more than 200. And a lot more than 200 inches. I don't know. And Brett kept telling me for... The whole time I had the archery tag and his was the muzzleloader tag, kept telling me the whole time, I don't know, I just don't know if I'd shoot that deer. Dude, when I and saw it, when he, I got into camp, I was like, I backed him up. I was like, I don't know if I'd shoot that deer. Yeah, you're like, I think I'd hold out for the typical. And then, <laughs> and then. What did I tell you when we came down from that rock and I said, we're going to see that deer. You're all, we're going to see that deer right here. Yeah, we're going to see that deer right here. Right at dark. Yeah, right at dark. Sure enough. There was the deer right there. Yep. Thank then, God I was able to take a photo. And then you got a photo of it. Oh and, my God. And then you got a photo of it. <laughs> well, seeing it, seeing it in person compared to a and phone scope a like, photo. That's it. I would shoot that one. No, I would shoot long. that one right now. All day long, dude. You're like, if I was an unethical man, I might shoot him right now. <laughs> It was such a big buck. Oh, God. And like the bucks. I that, love it how we get back to camp. Yeah. We literally get back to camp. You, you, what? Oh, you Bluetooth it to your phone, right? Mm -hmm. So you Bluetooth it to your phone. We get back to camp. And I'm like, hey, Brett, he's got something to show you. He's like, what? Yeah. And I'm just like, and all I said was, I just want to know if you'd shoot this deer tomorrow. Yeah. This is the second day of the muzzleloader hunt. Mm -hmm. You show him the picture. He's like, oh my gosh, I'd shoot that deer. I'll shoot that deer all day long. Yeah. Send me that picture. Yeah. I bet he stared at that picture all night. <laughs> we went out and shot it the next morning. Literally the next morning. Remember that? It was just like, he's going to walk over here and we all set up in the spots. You saw him, then we saw him, and then he literally... Got right on. Got him. Boom. Got him. Got him. What did he end up scoring? Like 238? Two, no, 227. No, he was two. It was over 230. And then. Was it? With deductions, it was 220 something. Oh, it was 232. And then with deductions, like 227, something yeah, like that. I think, right? I think that sounds about right. Something big ass deer. Because my buddy had hit me up and he's like, hey, let's, let's do a big buck competition. Oh, yeah. Your guy's buck against my buck. And then I sent him a picture because the, the, the buck had been dead at that point. Yeah. I sent him a picture of the buck dead on the ground. And he's all, nope, never mind. And then <laughs> two days later, I'm in BC. Yeah. Or I'm in, in Red Deer, Alberta. And he's like, hey, big buck competition back on. And then he sends me a picture of the buck that they just smoked with a muzzleloader, which was 254 inches in Nevada. Oh. I was like, fuck you. That's gross. You dick, dude. It's like, that's such a dick move. Way dick. Yeah. Be like, just text him back, no service, didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no service in BC, back country. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Can only communicate by 
that was fun. Then we came back to the house and came back to the house here and barbecued up. Yeah. Yeah, dude, fun. we had a good little run that week. I mean, we're coming up on fall harvest. Just might have to do it again. We might. I mean, Utah draws are going on. Right I guess now. I got to put in for my Utah tags. I know. It's that time. Yeah. Yeah. Southern Utah. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.